At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Good morning, Roxy Soxy. Oh, a good, almost my bedtime, Tam Tam. How are uh, you? <laughs> how's your day? I don't even know what day it is at this point oh. of like it being around the Christmas holidays. I'm just oh, like, where am I? When am I going back to the States? Like, who am I? I feel yeah. like it's the 13th of Christmas. <laughs> you know, know. It, just, it just never stops. Never stops, never stops. And then once like this, like the month of December hits, it's like, there's no, there's no like days anymore. I feel like it all just kind of blends in. Like it I know. turns into one big chunk of time and we're always late running to get somewhere and I know. nothing is done. Presents aren't purchased. No. And no. what do you think? Cause we talked about this last podcast. Like hmm. I haven't done presents. Like my husband and I haven't given each other presents for e- probably years. Like even hmm. on my birthday, I didn't, I don't know what it is. Like, it's just weird. Like I find the gift giving idea strange yeah. I don't I don't know why like I'm just like well uh, my husband and I it's like the same bank account and we like have the same budgeting and the same goals and it's like so then I'm just gonna like on a specific day go buy myself an iPad don't be like you know what I mean and just be like but then you're gonna wrap it and then say it's not from our savings but it is and then put a bow on it and I'll be like oh my god it's Christmas like we just wasted a grand like for me I'm just I don't know what it is but like giving each other gifts when it's this look Again, if someone gave me something from my friend, like, sure, it'd be very lovely. But I just, mm-hmm. the idea of giving stuff, I think it's because we've been on the road and we're in this Airbnb and like, we haven't had a lot of stuff with us. Like the mm. idea of minimalism, but like, I'm just like more stuff. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about gifts and presents, but I just, I feel like, do I need any more stuff I'll from the that. same savings account? <laughs> and I will answer that for you. If you rent yet another storage space, I will kill you. I know. I've got four storage spaces. <laughs> no, if that's not. an indication that I'm drowning in stuff, I don't know what is. Yeah. I'm putting my foot down. I'm saying no more one stuff. One in Austin, two in LA, one in Australia. Like that's a problem. Like that's an issue. That's something I should talk to with my therapist. <laughs> How many storage units can you collect? This yeah. is the question. It's like a da- it's like literally paying off a house by this point of how much money I'm spending on storage units. So I don't know, question, and then we're gonna get to our guest. But tell me, uh-huh. do you do you what do you think about David giving you a gift from your own account? Okay, so here's the do thing. You need it, more stuff. It depends how badly I want it. Like if it's something that I am like. I need this or I want this. Like I go buy it. I know, but then I have this like false sense of like, oh, he got it. Even though, even if I'm telling him like what I want, I'm like, oh, he made the effort to go out and buy the gift, come back, wrap it up, put it under the tree and like do the effort. I think that's what I like about it. I think I like the effort of him making it happen. 
Um, yeah. but, but what about the effort of him rubbing your feet or getting you a tea or like saying nice things when oh. you're in a shitty mood? Like, isn't that, it's just, it's interesting. The conversation is like, yeah. it's interesting the, the, the weight we place on stuff and gifts. Yes. Yes. I agree with that for sure. For sure. But now, you don't care. You- <laughs> <laughs> I still want that Chanel bag. <laughs> no, but I would take a foot rub. This is something he is not good at. I'd say, I'd say he's right. not good at the foot rub. Is Sean? Right. Oh God, Sean's just the worst when I don't know what it is. Maybe it's all men, but that's probably just a generalization or all partners. But, um, when he goes into my shoulders, it's like, I I honestly don't know (laughs) why we're here and wasting our time. (laughs) Like why, why am I sitting? Like I shouldn't have even asked in the first place. It's like, why, why is this happening? It's almost like a dead fish hand. Like it's just horrible. I don't under, you know what? That's not, he's a director and a writer. He's better at other things than having to massage my neck, but no, he's pretty terrible. No, it's so true. And then you get more angry, you know, then you're like, Oh "Oh." my God. Like, how do you not know to not massage me? Like the massage place does. We should ask our next guest if her if, if her partner gives good massages yes. or not. So yep, yeah, we should we should see. So tell 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 everyone who we have and what is going on, Roxy. I mean, we have the most amazing guest on today. She is like her name is Zibby Owens. If you don't already know her, which I'm sure lots of you do, um, she has an amazing podcast. She is the creator of the Moms Don't Have Time to Read book series. She has, like I said, the podcast. She also just recently launched another podcast called Sex Talk, which you know is right up. I was about to say, can we talk sexy time on this podcast? But now I know we can. Yes, we can. So without further ado, let's welcome Zibby Owens. (laughs) I don't usually get announced as like with my sex talk podcast, but (laughs) as like the leading thing, but I'll take it. It's great. You know what? Our audience will love this. Just had an amazing sex expert come on on the no, podcast before and it's, this. It's, so. it's sex talk T OK because for a little bit we went viral on TikTok, so that's why sex talk. Oh, very Interesting. good. Oh. So, question: Why go? Why go from moms like a very you know obviously mom centric moms don't have time to read books podcasts moms don't have time on all the other books that you you're also putting together you have put together like why why now branch into a whole different mm-hmm. sort of books. The whole different sphere. Like why? Okay. So first I had moms don't have time to read books. Then I launched moms don't have time to lose weight. And it was supposed to be moms don't have time to have sex. So that's what we called it. And that was also a piece of my anthology. It was one section of my first anthology called moms don't have time to. But once we my social media manager was like, let's try this on TikTok. And she took like the most embarrassing. So it's, I, I, uh, we have anonymously sourced questions, like a Dear Abby column. And I am really embarrassed to talk about all this stuff. And I do it with Tracy Cox, who is a sex expert. Oh, let's She's do it sex. on this show. Yeah. <laughs> so I literally like, I, am, I like have to whisper the questions sometimes to her. I'm so embarrassed. And then she goes off and answers them all factual and everything. And, um, yeah, so that's why we renamed it Sex Talk with Zivian Tracy because, uh, yeah, all these vir- – I mean, literally my son's friend from boarding school sat next to me once and was like, oh, you're on my For You page of TikTok. And I was like, so embarrassing. So that's why, that's why we, that, <laughs> we branched out that way. Oh, my gosh. Well, I had a kick. I was listening to it today. Um, you guys are great together, you and Tracy. Thank you. You're mm-hmm. welcome. Doling out the advice. And I love it, too, because it sort of reminds me of 
Tamman and myself because I mm-hmm. tend to get like a little more embarrassed maybe and like Tam and is Tam so is. good. <laughs> so good with just putting it all out there. So tell me about how your tell us about like how your partnership with Tracy came about. Sure. Oh, I feel bad now. I should have brought her. We could have had like a double date. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, we can, a, we can come visit you on yours too. You know. That's true. Oh, we have to write a book though, Roxy. So let's let's make women on top into yes. a to a book. Yes. Yes. Good title. Very good title for a book. Um, How did it come about with Tracy? I interviewed her for my Read Books podcast about her book, Hot Sex Starts at 50 or something like that. And she was so awesome. She's British. She... I just love listening to her speak. She was so knowledgeable and so dynamic. And after the podcast, I was like, I have to do my mom's no time to have sex podcast with you. Like we should do that together. <laughs> um, at first I was like, you just do the podcast and I'll, you know, help you get it all up started and everything. And she's like, well, I want to do it with you. <laughs> so I got over my complete embarrassment and decided to do it with her. And we just had so much fun. We still have so much fun. I like really look forward to it every week. So I find it fascinating that like, I'm very sex positive, always have been, came from Australia. I'm in Australia right now, like nudity, your body was never like shameful. Um, You know, moving to America, I was like, oh my gosh, like when we mentioned sex or your body, like everyone's like, shh, don't say anything. Um, And so like when your sex life does change after you have kids, you feel like, again, that word, like you feel like you're a failure and you're really ashamed by it because no one is talking about the fact that your hormones change, your body changes, the way you view your body also changes. And it doesn't really make for like a sexy environment to have, you know, great intimacy. And I found that really changed after my first kid, but now I feel like we're having better sex. And the thing is like, you're right. Like if we don't talk about it, we feel very isolated in our own experiences. We feel very alone. We feel like we're the only people who feel this way. And then it then kicks in the shame, the guilt and all of that. And so like, how does that create a good sex life? But yeah, I think talking about those subjects as, as sometimes vulnerable as they feel, I think it's super important. Don't you rocks? Mm -hmm. I do. I do. And it's like, like you're saying, you have to come out of your comfort zone and really put yourself out there because I know like, for example, with me, like I kind of felt like, oh my gosh, am I like the only person who gets like embarrassed or whatever? But like so many people have the same view and like even with problems and things, I feel like people are going through the same things. Mm-hmm. And I think like, because we've created this community where, you know, things aren't taboo and where we, you know, where you can really say anything. I think it just goes to, you know, goes to the point where it just helps so many people. Do you guys feel that being a mom, it's almost like you can't feel sexy? I wrote a whole, I wrote a whole essay on this recently about like, can you feel sexy and be sexual and be a sexual being and still be a mom? Or do you think being a mom sort of takes away some of that part of you? I mean, for me, I think that, you know, I don't feel, I feel sexier if I'm away with my husband somewhere personally, Without, like, right, right. right. Like if I'm like, if we're on a trip or like in a hotel or like somewhere kind of away, I know that like, if it's like the three of us and we're at home, and, right. you know, it's like post pickup at school, you know, it just doesn't feel as sexy to me. I mean, I, I mean, I feel too, I think also when I'm sort of like, you know, out and about with friends and we're like enjoying a great mm-hmm. meal, you know, out to dinner. Cause you remember who you are. Yes, exactly. Good point, Tamman. Good point. Mm-hmm. I have to say I'm, um, 
I'm divorced from the father of my kids and I'm remarried. And that has been amazing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> but, um, but I'll tell you, I think it's not so much the fact that I'm a mom that makes me feel less sexy. It's whatever's going on with my body. And I think mm -hmm. that right after you have kids and you feel not great about your body, that's what's it's that it's not the kids themselves mm. um i literally just posted on instagram like a few minutes ago about i've put on some weight lately and i just feel just so disgusting and people have said you know why are you posting all this stuff on instagram and i'm like well i mean i'm being honest yeah like it yeah. is like i i feel i feel bad about it and i bet i'm not the only one and mm. you know there's like the shame attached to it and of course then that is going to like eke into every part of your life including mm -hmm. your sexual life when like you just mm -hmm. feel gross how do you I, I don't know mm -hmm. so I think it's all linked up but I don't think it's the fact that you're a mom and it's the conversation too about like why mm -hmm. and I had my uh, two kids that were 10 pounds each and my stomach is totally stretched out right mm -hmm. so why do I look at my stomach and go you are a negative uh, scar to me mm. uh, instead of going wow like you were able to stretch and grow a human being and bring a, a child into this world. I don't see it like that. I see it as a blemish. And I see that if I'm not perfect or what I think perfectionism is, then I'm not worthy, you mm. know? And it's like, it's a bigger conversation because I, I agree with you. Like, I wish that it was all about self-love in my house. I wish I looked at my, my body and was like, you know what? Look at these stretch marks. Like you kick ass, like look at these thighs and they're jelly and that's great. But I don't, I, I, I sit there and I put myself down and I cut myself down because of the way I look. And that's just the way that society has viewed women's bodies for so long. And if you don't fit into this box, it's just not celebrated. Well, I also think it's just, it's not as comfortable. Right? Right. Like, you, like the, it's like objectively not as comfortable when you're like all, mm -hmm. I don't know. I think, I think it's not just, I don't want to put it all on the media. I, I think it's, the ease of being able to run around or like having yeah, to yep, fit yep. Or, I don't know. I think it's a whole, a whole thing. I mean, I think, I think things are changing in a more positive direction, but we have to right. also remember this is year decades upon decades of programming that we've all had that it's, you know, there's just one sort of body type that's quote unquote ideal or beautiful. And it's, you know, we should all aspire to be like this. This is like the programming that we've all had. So it's like mm -hmm. to even undo all of this stuff, not to mention Tam, like, you know, you're in this Hollywood business. I mean, you're, mm -hmm. excuse me, you're an actress and it's like constantly being judged by your outward appearance. Right. It's got to do like, it has to, like, it's, it's got to do some damage, you know? And it's mm -hmm. like, even for me, I noticed like in the, you know, 15 years I've been doing this kind of stuff even as a, like a, a host, a TV host, it's still to me, you know, I still feel badly about myself thinking about the things that people have said to me or like comments on, you know, social media or, you know, that kind of programming that's just been there and been there and been there over mm -hmm. and over again. You know, my husband said to me the other day, I was like, why when women get to a certain age, do they start to become invisible. Mm. And he's like, look, I love you. You will never be invisible to me. But the truth is, and this is interesting to think if you think of like, you know, a mankind is that men can spread their seed until they die. Mm -hmm. And so they're always viable. They're always viable to procreate. They're always viable to 
you know, create life. And women are only able to create life up until a certain point. Mm -hmm. So if you look at like, you know, creation, it's like maybe women have started to become invisible and why they want to keep looking a certain way is because once we look like we can't have kids anymore, then we become, the society tells us that we're less needed, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe it's just like something that goes back way longer than we were here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's definitely something evolutionary about it. However, mm-hmm. I do think grandmothers are super important. So sometimes yes. more so even than moms. Um, <laughs> so there should be like this resurgence. I just think today nobody wants to look like a grandmother. So forget that. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't want to show our age. We don't want to show our lines. We don't want to show like any of the history of like what we've been through as far as it, you know, affects our physicality and how we look. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's kind of a shame because I mean, I, I, I say this on the podcast and I don't always believe it too, because I mean, again, goes, goes back to that programming, but like aging is a, is a privilege, you know, not everybody gets to do it. And I'm not quite sure why we feel so embarrassed to show the experience that we've had, you know, it's, it's kind of like, mm-hmm. we're lucky to get those experiences, you know, you're right. You're so right. We collectively have to do something different though. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's very hard to say, well, like you stand up and show yourself like you are on your Instagram, Mm -hmm. but yet everyone else is using Facetune apps Mm -hmm. and they're morphing their bodies and they're getting threads and facelifts and all these things. It's like, we kind of, everyone has to start kind of doing it as a whole, or there is really no change, you know? I mean, maybe, maybe the change is talking about it. Maybe it's having these types of conversations and, and what Zibby is doing as well. And that leads me to my next question. How did you build this empire? Like where, where did you start? Why did you start? Like what, what was the reason behind wanting to do what you were doing? Um, it's really grown. (laughs) I, I started it by accident almost. Part of it is that I was writing a memoir and my, when I pitched when I pitched the idea for a book, when I pitched originally the idea for a book of essays. Okay, let me back up. I didn't say that very well. Basically, <laughs> I uh, when I got divorced, mm. I suddenly had lots of time on every other weekend to read and write. I have four kids and not being with them was like heartbreaking. Mm. So I got back into writing and reading, which I had always loved to do. And I started writing a lot for HuffPost and some articles went viral. And after a while, I had amassed a bunch of them. And Kyle, who's now my husband, and back then we were dating, said, you know, you should really make a book of all these essays. And I said, oh, moms, don't have time to read books. And I thought that was so funny. I was like, that'll be the title of my book. I love that. Yeah. So when I met with some agents, they were like, well, you don't have a platform. You're not on social media, which I wasn't. I didn't have any accounts. And um, they were like, and we don't think that's funny for publishers <laughs> as a title anyway. Uh, but what other ideas do you have? So I decided to use that title as a podcast when a girlfriend of mine who was a middle grade author suggested I start a podcast, which I had never thought about doing. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I love talking to people. I mean, this is like amazing. I get to sit here and chat with yeah. the two of you. Um, I love books. I love reading authors, getting the backstory of everything. So it just started with the one podcast. And mm-hmm. then I wanted to move that into real life. So I started having salons in my apartment, just inviting all my friends over mm-hmm. to talk to authors. Then I started having book fairs because wouldn't it be cool if I just sold all the books and have all the authors meet each other because mm-hmm. community is super important to me. So a lot of these things came out of my desire to create a community around what I was doing. 
and spread the love of books that I was excited about. Uh, and then things really ramped up during the pandemic when I was really trying hard to be there for all the authors who had their book tour canceled. I started a daily Instagram live show with five author interviews a day. I started a book club online. I uh, published essays, which eventually became an anthology. And then I ramped up my podcast to daily, which it still is. Um, so it started at once a week. And now at the last, I mean, I did one literally every day of 2021. So it's just grown. And from there, I had two anthologies come. And then as you mentioned, the sex talk podcast, then I gained weight during the pandemic. So I started the lose weight mm -hmm. podcast. <laughs> um, and I just keep expanding. So my biggest thing most recently is I started a publishing company, which I also never sort of intended to do. But now we're publishing fiction and memoir, 12 books a year starting in 2023. Oh. And I have like a whole team. And that's like a whole nother job. So mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot, but it's really fun. So it basically came from wanting to try to sell a book, which eventually I did. And I have this memoir coming out um, in July, July 1st called Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature. So that's really sort of where it all started. And now mm -hmm. I'm planning my summer booking schedule for the podcast. I'm like, well, I should really probably take a week or two off. So I can deal with publicizing this book after all this time. And this has taken almost, you know, I started in March of 2018. So it's, it's taking quite a while, but here we are. Amazing. Well, I think, I think you're quite different than the title of your book. Moms don't have time to read books because you seem to find time to do all of these, everything. Things. Yes. <laughs> Are you, yeah, I was going to be like, you know, you have time to read books. <laughs> yeah, you have time to read books. Are you just like the best time manager? How do you get all of these things done? I am a really good time manager. Okay. I do everything really quickly. I do not finish all the books anymore. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. But I taught myself how to speed read. So I can oh. go through a whole book in an hour tops <gasps> and get everything wow. I need out of it. I miss some sentences, like, okay. but I, I know how to slow down and speed up where I'm interested the most. Um, so it's become a real skill. Plus the author interviews I do are not only about the books, right? Like right. our talk, you know, your talk goes, I really want to hear about the people. So mm -hmm. I try to read as much as I can. It takes me a really long time to go through all the pitches, probably as much time as I spend reading is figuring out which books I want to read and which yes. books to feature. And then I have columns for Katie Couric Media every week and Good Morning America every month. So I have to make sure I'm up on all the books so that I pick the right ones. I don't know. I just, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm like about to collapse at this point. <laughs> I don't know how long I can keep this up, but it's, to be honest, it's because I love it all so much that I don't ever feel like I'm working. I mean, yeah, even when same. I'm like, that's enough. I'm having the worst day. I just need to relax. Then I read. So it's like, I, yeah. <laughs> I can't really get away from it. What would you tell someone? Cause you know, we get asked this question all the time. Like, how do you start? How do you start? Like, how do you start a podcast? How do you start in this space? Like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, did you get any help from anywhere, anywhere? Like, did you just start and just like follow what you love to do? Is that kind of the secret? Like, what is the secret sauce for building something that's successful? I mean, I guess if I looked at like my life, it was just kind of probably perseverance and like use failure into mm -hmm. a way to make solutions maybe and like, you know, be able to pivot. But like what what would be your sort of key elements to creating something successful? I didn't even care at the beginning if anybody listened. Mm -hmm. I was just yeah, doing see, what that's I wanted yeah. to do. Yep. I, you know, I've tried to launch businesses. Like we, I helped my family start this crumb cake business. I've like tried to do things on purpose that haven't right. necessarily worked out. Um, but this was something I was doing on the side because I loved it. 
and it's spread from word of mouth. And I've been really patient because I didn't really have an immediate goal, right? I wasn't like, mm -hmm. I have to do this by this time. I was like, and it just spread a couple people telling a couple people. And I was mm -hmm. really patient because each conversation was exciting to me. So mm -hmm. I can't say that's the secret sauce. I think as it's grown, I have a million ideas all the time. So part mm -hmm. of my problem is figuring out which ones not to do and mm -hmm. I like to try them and test them and nothing that's like too expensive, right? These, the things that I'm testing are like, let me try not this podcast. Like I tried a podcast, kids do have time to read books and it lasted, I don't know, a couple of weeks. And I was like, well, this is a bad idea because I just mm -hmm. really want to talk to the authors about the same old stuff. So I'll just put them on the other podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but I like to try, you know, throw things at the wall, see what sticks. Mm -hmm. um, I like to surround myself by really smart, awesome people who I enjoy spending mm -hmm. time with. So I have an amazing team, both for the podcast and Zibby books. And then even to help with my kids while I'm doing all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And my kids are older now, so they can be a part of it. Um, like we're all on the couch mm -hmm. today and I was like talking to Lee Newman, who I uh, run my publishing company with. And the kids were all just hanging out, kind of listening on speaker. You know, mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing I'm doing that's private. So I try to involve right. them and everything. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, perseverance and passion, really. I mean, I am mm -hmm. so passionate about what I do. This is what I would do if I weren't doing this. Like. If I stopped the podcast tomorrow, I'd still want to read all, all the books. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's really interesting that you say that you bring, you know, the kids have been around when you've been um, doing business. And so they get to like a kind of a bird's eye view of like what's going on, which I think is really important to involve your kids, you know, mm -hmm. in your passions and what you do. And I was wondering, um, because obviously business runs in the blood in your family. Mm -hmm. um, was that also for you growing up? Was your dad really inclusive of you of like, you know, of his side of the business working in finance and kind of like bringing you into that? And then also, did you get in trouble for not going into the family business? Yeah. <laughs> if you saw how badly I did in finance class, you would understand why yeah. he's like, never. Like, you know, there's like a big lock on the door. You know, I'm kidding, but he would, no, I, that is not the right place for me. Um, finance is not where I should be. Uh, however, entrepreneurial spirit that mm -hmm. I did inherit. Um, I mean, I remember sitting at a restaurant with my dad and my grandfather and a bunch of people, we were trying to name his company mm -hmm. and figuring out how to name it. What should we call it? What should the logo look like? Mm -hmm. And as my dad's company has expanded, he's always like going into new areas and sensing mm -hmm. new opportunities. So I've watched that. I've watched him start up even things for the nonprofit world, mm -hmm. like um, Schwarzman Scholars. He started this whole program this is like a Rhodes Scholarship type program in China. And he just like dreams up these ideas. And he's like, everybody tells me no, and I just do it. Hmm. So that's part of the family lore is like, and my, my grandfathers both were entrepreneurs as well. And so I think this whole, and my brother now started a company. He's a movie producer. So, and my husband now too. I think it's just this love of having an idea and then hmm. trying it and not letting all the no's stop you right like if you believe it it has and that you, you are passionate it. and you believe it has merit you know so many people told me like well you know people don't want to hear about books like books are dying books are dying business or why mm -hmm. would people care or people don't want to watch videos of authors or whatever and then you know they're doing all that stuff so mm -hmm. i just was like well you know what i'm just gonna do it and we're gonna see what happens and i'm not gonna listen to the nose so i yeah. think that's more more that than the nuts and bolts of the mm -hmm. actual content of the business mm -hmm. i think it was just the starting of it mm. so 
having a billionaire as a father, you seem incredibly <laughs> grounded. Like a lot of people who have that upbringing don't turn out like you. Mm -hmm. So what was he like? Well, what is he like as a, a parent? Like what are the things he instilled in you that are different maybe from other kids growing up with very, you know, successful, wealthy fathers? Like they, he must have done something different for you to have turned out like this. Mm -hmm. Um well, first of all, I mean, a lot of this wealth has been created recently. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been growing over time. But, you know, when I was five years old, mm -hmm. like, I didn't get everything I wanted for the holidays. Like I was mm -hmm. just out at the, you know, some show on Broadway with my kids. And I was like, you know, I was never allowed to get M&M. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't allowed a chocolate like, ice cream top. <laughs> I wasn't. They were like, that's such a waste of money. And, you know. Mm. They were like, we never would fly first class because, like, we get there at the same time. And I'm like, I'm going to yeah. fly first class now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that's the way we grew up. Not to say we didn't have a lot of luxuries. We did. Uh, but I don't know. Both my parents, I can't just credit my dad or my mom would kill mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. But I think both of them, um, I don't know. We just, everybody believes in hard work. And um, mm -hmm. my mom's from the Midwest and. That's mm -hmm. just, I don't know. I just, it's but never. Were you given, maybe it's like, were you given, as you, like you said, you weren't given any, everything that you wanted. So you had to work right. for it. Mm -hmm. So that is the good lesson for our children to like, you know, they need to earn what they get or, you know, it's not just handed to you. And I think that's a big, mm -hmm. like for people who do have wealth or who are making money or whatever, I feel like there's a lot of handouts and then you just don't really understand the value of it. You know what I mean? The value of money. And that's what I'm trying to teach my girls is like, what is the value of something? You yeah. know, like, you know, what does it mean when you work this hard and like have, let them have that experience of actually feeling it and touching it and buying something. And then they're being, it runs out. Right. So mm -hmm. you can't just, it doesn't yeah. just keep free flowing in. And I think that that does instill a different, type of uh traits within someone than someone who's just given given whatever they want yeah i think so too i think also modeling hard work and good values mm -hmm. right like mm -hmm. excuse me like my kids are going to be normal because like i'm a normal person i'm not worried about them <laughs> even if i give them some m&ms at the movie theater or whatever it is um yeah because like I have good values and I think you can have a lot less money and have really bad values to be honest. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we just had, um, you know, our Hanukkah celebration or whatever. And we packed up this morning, all these shopping bags full of toys. I was like, we don't need these. And we took yeah. them all to the hospital to give to kids who are, you know, inpatient for, um, over the holidays. Cause how awful is that? So anyway, you know, just instilling all these things as part of life, like not not mm -hmm. to make a point, but just like, of course, this is what we're going to do. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's also a really valuable lesson, too. I think when you're, you're letting kids use money and letting them go, you know, some money that they've earned or made through allowance or however they have it. And to have them go and purchase something, it gives mm -hmm. them a sense of pride. You know, it's yep. like I worked hard for this five dollars or whatever, however much it is. Now I can go buy this stuffy and it gives it instills that sense of pride in them that they can't get otherwise you know what i mean yes mm -hmm. no but my twins who are um 14 and a half they both worked last summer as camp counselors mm -hmm. and earned money and saved money and i got bank accounts for them and the whole thing like they have to learn how to do that so yeah mm -hmm. it's a good it's a really good lesson so one of the interviews that you had you had said that you interviewed hillary clinton and you were very nervous about that. Can you go through the day of inter inter interviewing Hillary Clinton? 
The day was a regular crazy day. I probably did a bunch of other podcasts, had a bunch of meetings, ran around, stopped, picked up my kids, took the dog out, raced home, blah, 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 <laughs> had dinner with the kids. Then I ran up here and uh, I had to, I changed my clothes really quickly. I put on a, a little bit of extra makeup and I was like, don't come in. <laughs> um, don't so let her come, come in. in. Yeah, nobody come in. And like, I have this like extra set of doors that I was like closing the extra set of doors, <laughs> sign on the door, you know, put on a video for the kids. And um, yeah, I was definitely, I remember putting on a little makeup in the bathroom, which obviously I didn't do tonight. Um, and I was just standing there being like, oh gosh, you know, cause it wasn't just that I was interviewing her. I was in front of like more than a thousand people at the Temple Emanuel Striker Center live. Um, and then I was just like, you know what, this is what you do. Like, this is what yeah. I do all day. This is what I've done, um, you know, a million times, not a million, but I've done over 900 author podcasts and this is what I do. So mm -hmm. I knew as soon as I started talking, it would be fine. And I was super prepared. So I'm always really prepared when I talk to somebody. So I'm not like at a loss um, as the two of you obviously are about me, my goodness. So <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, and then I did the thing and then, you know, I opened up the door and it was time mm -hmm. for bedtime and nothing, you know, nobody like, yeah, nobody, they're just people, right? That do extraordinary says, things. Uh, mm -hmm. Exactly. Was there anything about her that surprised you that you weren't, maybe weren't expecting? I, she was funny mm -hmm. and she was so mm -hmm. laid back. Mm -hmm. I just had never seen that side of her uh -huh. really. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoyed that. And especially because Louise Penny was there too, her co-author mm -hmm. uh, for State of Terror, the two of them knew each other very well. And when I talked to people, like, I'm sure, like, I didn't want to talk about the politics of it. I wanted to talk about the fact that they had lost a mutual friend and that sense of loss and what that felt like for them and, mm -hmm. you know, all the personal things in their life that I could glean from their life story and the note in the back of the book. And of course mm -hmm. I read the book, um, which was really good, but... I don't know. I think, and then I share and then they share. So they mm -hmm. were really willing to just be open and like talking to anybody else. So mm -hmm. it was great. That's an exciting, yeah. That, who do you think is your, who has been your favorite interview so far? Can you pick one out of all of them? Um, well, I interviewed my dad. That was really <gasps> nice. Oh, <laughs> dad. We're on the theme of my dad. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I interviewed him about his book, What It Takes, uh -huh. and I went to his office and he just like looked at me like totally amused as I pulled out all the cords and the microphone and like had to set up the whole thing. And he was sort of like, what are you doing? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so that was one of my favorites. Um, I mean, I've interviewed some of my favorites are not, you know, I've had like celebrities, like mm -hmm. I, I it was really cool to interview Alicia Keys mm -hmm. and like that was mm -hmm. amazing. And my girls were freaking out and were like, hi. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I mean, a couple weeks ago, I interviewed Dana Kennedy, uh, who's works for Simon and Schuster. She's mm -hmm. runs Simon and Schuster essentially, but she has a book that the movie of which is coming out on Christmas called A Journal mm -hmm. for Jordan, and it was so moving about losing her husband, who was in the mm -hmm. military and raising their son without him. And we were crying, like we were just mm -hmm. both crying in the, mm -hmm. in the podcast. So. Like that was really emotional too. Like we, as soon as it was over, we're texting, when can we have coffee? You know, like there's a real emotional connection, I think, as you, mm. as the two of you probably know, like when you're doing a podcast, it can get very intimate very quickly in a way that it would never happen, even if you were at dinner or at a party oh, I know. or whatever. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people like to talk and not listen. And 
That's why I think communication is the biggest issue in our society. And for you, like you've built an entire like empire on listening to people. So have you always been like that? Have you always wanted to hear people's stories? And and why do you want to listen? Why do you want to hear their stories? Is it because it makes you feel part of something of like a collective? So what what is it about you that really wants to know about like the core of people? Mm. These are such good questions. <laughs> Just on the fly right here. <laughs> no, seriously. Bravo to you. I mean, oh my gosh, you can be my Because we listen. We listen. I know. Now I feel bad. I usually listen a lot more than I'm doing on this podcast. It's because you keep asking no, me questions. No, please. Because we're interviewing you. That's why. Okay. I just... Just, you know, occupational hazard here. Um, yes, I have always loved to listen mm. um, to people and people have always been willing to talk to me about stuff, probably because I listen. But I'm the type of person mm. when the guy comes to change the air conditioning filters, I, I hear all about his, uh, you know, his yeah. wife's IVF and next thing oh. you know, I'm giving him a doctor. And, you know, I'm just that kind of person. Um, I'm really mm. curious about people. I really care and mm. I like to help if I can. And what is it deep down about hearing people's stories? Does it make me feel connected? Um, I don't know if that's it, maybe, or I just find people endlessly fascinating. And I like to know, I liked asking questions helps me make sense of people, right? Like, where did you come from? Wait, tell me about growing up. Where did you go? Like, just give me the whole backstory. How did we get here? And then my brain kind of like, adjusts when I get more and more information until things sort of settle into place. So I really like hearing about people's lives and um, maybe it makes me feel more connected. I haven't felt unconnected. Um, so I'm not sure that's exactly mm -hmm. the, the need, but certainly through books has made me feel less alone, right? It's a therapy session. You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my I husband's mean, really. a writer and I'm like, why do you tell stories? And I think it's because why does he write stories? I think it's because he didn't have the best upbringing. I know you did, but well, you had a great upbringing like we spoke about, but my husband didn't. And so he was alone a lot of the time. So he would fantasize about people's stories and it would make him feel like he was part of something greater mm. and that he fit in. I don't know if he necessarily could verbalize it the way I am, but, um, but I think it's because it made him be able to make sense of the world by telling stories. Um, and that's probably why he's so good at it because he, he needs it for something, mm. you know? Wow. And what did, what did she say? What did Erica say? Mm. She said, we self-loathing comes from not telling out our truth our, or yeah, our stories. Our, our stories. So self-loathing comes from not telling out like our honest truth or something. Mm -hmm. And maybe by telling those stories or like giving space for other people to tell those stories, then we like ourselves a little more. I don't know. I feel like there's something deeper. <laughs> I feel like we can get somewhere anyway. <laughs> Roxy's like, of course you do, Tamman. <laughs> no, I, I also think that so many authors, myself included, I'll just lump myself in, have a lot of anxiety, right? There's something mm. about like, and I think that's why I feel like I've really found my people is what if, what if, what if, mm. like, what if the worst happened? What if this happened? What if, my mind is constantly in the what if mm. circulation. Mm -hmm. um, I guess the only other reason I could think is, um, you know, as a child, yes, my upbringing was lovely, but I was really shy and mm -hmm. I had a hard time mm -hmm. talking and it even got to a point in my teen years where 
Like I literally went on a summer program and could not talk. I write about this in my memoir if you want to pick it up when Mm -hmm. it comes out. Um, But it was really hard. And I spent a lot of time analyzing language when I couldn't Mm -hmm. talk at all and just marveling over people's sentences and how it came out so effortlessly. And I spent Mm – you know, five weeks, literally just like listening to language and mm-hmm. analyzing it in both French and English because we were on the summer program. Um, and I don't know. I mean, that's really around the time I started publishing articles and things like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. I'm saying so a lot at the end of my sentences, which I don't <laughs> usually do, and I don't know why. But I thought I would. Fly. So. So. <laughs> so. So you know what, Tim and I, all this, all this podcast, we talk a lot about we, you know, anxiety, but we also talk a lot about the about death and like the fear of death. And we, she and I, both have a fear of death. Like we both have anxiety from it. We stay up at night thinking about it. It's kind of one of those things that is constantly irking us. So. Now, what we want to know is, do you also share a fear of death or is that something that doesn't really, really happen for you? I think about death all the time. You? Okay. Oh, good. We You're would be the friends club. then. We could just all <laughs> sit and talk about death. I think about death all the time. I have lost a lot of people who I loved. Um, I lost my best friend when I was 25 um, on 9-11. She'd oh. been my roommate for many years and all through college and after college. Um, and I really sort of, got smacked upside the head realizing that at any moment my life could end just as suddenly and my life has been different ever since and I've lost a lot more people since then um but I'm very much aware that time is finite and Mm -hmm. that's the other side of the coin with my brand I know it's all sort of tongue-in-cheek haha but we really don't have time we don't have all that much time in the world and so we have to make the best of it and it's tongue-in-cheek because without reading or having sex or eating or whatever, all these fun things. Like what is life really? Mm-hmm. We have to get the pleasure and the joy and make the most of our limited time here. Mm. So am I scared? So again, oh my gosh, um, am I scared? Yeah, I get like full on panic uh, if I'm too hard about it and how all of this like means nothing because we're all just gonna die. On the other hand, Every day I try to work as hard as I possibly can to finish whatever I'm doing on the off chance that I dropped dead that day. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but maybe as, as death fears or whatever, you, mm-hmm. you can empathize. Um, but yeah, I think about it all the time. I get really, you know, I can't talk too much about like space and I can't t- talk too much about like, you know, when I watch a TV show, it's in the 1900s, I'm like, mm all these people are dead. Like I can't, I I find it, which is so ridiculous because I should be able to enjoy period piece movies and TV shows, but I literally can't watch them without like it triggering something, you know? And it's like, I don't want to talk about Mars. Like I know I should, but I'm like, it just, uh, I can't fully process any of it. So then what I do is I avoid, which is a total great tactic for anxiety, which does nothing but makes it worse. And so I just avoid and like, I'd rather sit at night, you know, instead, yes, I like to disconnect by self-soothing and watching great TV shows or even reading a book. But if the book is too connected to my own fears, then I just can't. And I feel like the only way through anxiety and through grief and loss and trauma and all those things is to walk in it. And it feels uncomfortable and it, you know, so I need to be sitting at home watching all the space movies because oh <laughs> I feel like I, I don't want to, I don't want to fully live in that, but I feel yeah. like the only way to fully live is in that. 
But that makes sense. You posted this video not too long ago with social media and it totally what freaked me out because it totally resonated with me because it's happened to me. I was laughing. Yeah, you're out of party talking and all of a sudden you were like, oh God, I'm gonna die. (laughs) Yeah, I did this TikTok zibby where I was like, "Ah." like at a party. And the whole thing was like (laughs) laughing, having a great time at a party. I'm gonna die one day. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. That, I mean, that's like, you just took that out of my brain. That That's like how I, and it happens my, inner, at my inner workings. Yeah. Right. It happens at nighttime, I think, because we are like, it's the only time where I actually have to slow down because you can't sleep unless you're calm. Um, so, you know, you're quiet and you're dark and my husband, you know, falls asleep in the bed and then he goes to the other room because he he's too loud of a sleeper. So like when he's in the room, I'm like super fine. And then he leaves like once like he's fallen asleep, I've fallen asleep. And then I'm like, and then I wake up and sometimes I have these, I think I told you this Roxy with Glenn and Doyle, we're saying this, like, I sometimes just like yell, like sometimes I'll freak myself out so much (laughs) that in the middle, it'll just be like, I'm falling asleep and I'll be like, "Ah!" (laughs) like it's really crazy shit. And like, my husband will be like, is everything okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Cause I feel super ashamed. Um, but like, just sometimes I just go, "Ah!" like it's just this random scream. And there was no sex even involved at that point. No, I wasn't screaming. I wish I was screaming for him. I wish it was like, it wouldn't be like that, Roxy. It'd be more like, ooh. It wouldn't be like, ah, I'm freaked out. It would be more like, ooh, yes, I'm freaked out. <laughs> sweet. So yeah, I'm glad that everyone, I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe anxious, maybe people who, you know what? Another therapy idea. Um, maybe it's people who are more in tune with like, the world and frequencies and people's stories and realize that there's like a finite sort of beginning, middle and end because mm. you listen to people's stories. Maybe it affects those people more because the people on our podcast, Roxy, mm-hmm. were just like, you know, just into building an empire through real estate don't seem to have that as much. It's like <laughs> the sensitive souls <laughs> like who are like trying to make a difference through oh, what we do. Right. <laughs> in the world, you know, like trying to do good things. I know it's true. It's true. I guess maybe it's a curse and a blessing all wrapped up in one, you know, that's literally, that was literally on my Instagram before I came on here. I was like, I started a blessing or a curse, you know, and now, and then I ended it again, a blessing or a curse. And now how crazy. Cause I never say that. And now here you are saying that like an hour later. Oh, wow. It's all, I don't believe in, I don't believe in, um, coincidence I Mm. totally believe in law of attraction Mm. and the more I talk about it and the more Roxy and I practice it it Mm. just seems to happen like I don't think anything is random I don't I feel like people come into your life for a reason I feel like people go through divorce for a reason even though it sucks at the time but most of the time when you're out of it and you look back into it you go wow that is exactly what I needed and all those lessons I had to go through but it sucks while you're having to pick yourself up but it but all those things are part of the story you know I totally believe that we were meant to say those words curse (laughs) is a curse or a blessing right right no it's true the manifestation thing too is 100 now i've become like such a believer in it because it's because it's working for you (laughs) it actually does happen do you do you think you manifest Debbie? do you manifest like the things that have happened in your life i have i mean i don't even like to say it out loud but i feel like when I think things or I really need it, they are, it is happening. Like if I Always put out all happens. this, like mm-hmm. all this positive energy just keeps like flowing out 
And then when I, whenever I'm like hitting bottom or I really need something, then like, yeah, somebody Some. comes in or like, mm -hmm. look at this. How nice. I was having the worst day today. And now I have this amazing conversation with the two of you who <laughs> kind of totally reshift my mood and make me rethink my entire life of like, <laughs> <laughs> you were like, I was not expecting that. <laughs> yeah. But how great is that? And you know, something will change because of this. And I don't know, as I've gotten older, I don't know, maybe closer to death or I don't know what it is. I've believe I start believing in all these signs and seeing oh, signs. I, mean, I agree. I've, just, I've like moved over to like, it is not just what you see is what you get. And I don't know exactly what else, but mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just, yes, I think energy <clears throat> and putting out good energy only mm -hmm. brings good things. Not that that's why you should do it, but mm -hmm. I think it all, what goes it around does. comes around. Mm -hmm. Roxy, remember I said that I had that uh, white the white uh, Mustang yeah. and I always thought it was something negative. So now I've changed my tune yesterday. I was at the grocery store, like a, like the a Ralph's of Australia. And I bought my groceries, the big shop that I do for the week. Mm -hmm. And I saw a guy next to me and he had no shoes on and he's like pants were ripped. He was definitely homeless and mm -hmm. his groceries were there. I thought they were less expensive, but anyway, I'll tell you why I thought that. So then I, I saw him and I'm like, I should pay for his groceries. I was like, I should pay for his groceries, not do that. So like I, I went up to him and he had bought some cigarettes at the time. So I thought his bill was like two fifty, and it ended up being like three seventy five. So when I got there, I was like, oh my god, that's a lot for groceries. <laughs> um, but he probably got the doll, like the doll, which is here, which is like you know government assistance. Uh -huh. And I walked up to him and I was like, I'm gonna pay for your groceries. And he's like, he goes, what? And I go, I'm gonna pay for your groceries. He goes, why? And I go, because it's Christmas. Like, I didn't want him to feel bad, mm -hmm. uh, badly. And he said, we shouldn't do that. And I said, was it okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Because he obviously felt ashamed and I paid for them. Mm -hmm. And as I walked out, I saw the white Mustang. <gasps> you did. Like, I don't go and pay for everyone's groceries. I'm not like trying to save the world. I just try to do like random acts of kindness every now and then because I, I really believe that when you, when you give, you get, it, I don't know, it makes me feel better. It's almost yeah. selfish, you know? Mm -hmm. So I walked out and I, I, Zibby, I had this, I have this weird sign that happens when like things kind of go wrong in my life. And it's the white Mustang and I see it very randomly. And I thought, well, maybe it's not that something's going wrong. It's just kind of a sign from God or from the universe or for something mm. greater than me to say, like, I'm watching you, mm -hmm. I'm watching over you. Because every time I like near miss a car or something, which doesn't happen all the time, I'll see a white Mustang. Or if like I'm in a really bad place, I'll see a white Mustang. So this was the first time I saw a white Mustang after something positive happened. So mm -hmm. maybe again, it's that reframing of like those signs that you were talking about, Zibi, is mm -hmm. like, maybe it's that thing of like, I'm watching you. Like, mm -hmm. it's okay. I'm watching you. I'm watching you. So like whatever you have as a sign, like I feel like when you say it out and you go, well, I'm going to see a butterfly or I'm going to see this every time someone's watching me or mm -hmm. watching over you, you'll start to see it. And it'll be in specific times in your life where you kind of need that too. Mm -hmm. I think <clears throat> I think that's also how I calm myself down when I'm starting to panic mm -hmm. is I do have this belief now that you can send signs. So mm -hmm. It's not as black or white as I felt it was before. I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, and I've been telling my kids, which is, I don't know, maybe probably not true, but I'm like, you don't have to worry because I'm always going to be there. You know, I'll be there. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother mm -hmm. passed away. She's 90, she was 97. And about a year before she died, I did this little video of her 
And I was asking her, like, are you scared of dying? How do you feel about it? And she was like, well, I'm scared of being in pain, but I'm not scared of dying. I, she was really excited to be with my grandfather again. And, mm. and, I, and I was like, you know, I'm really going to miss you. And she's like, I'll be watching over you. And sometimes yeah. I literally can feel like her hand on my cheek when I'm like feeling sad. Mm -hmm. and, and, mm -hmm. I, and I believe that. So anyway, this is all kind of woo-woo probably. for Now I'm people. crying. Oh <laughs> <laughs> but I do, uh, I do. I do. I do believe. Like, how can you be so lines. connected to a person and love them so much and then they're just not here? Mm -hmm. Like they're ha they have to be here in different elements. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, there's definitely signs. And it's also like, it's so hard to comprehend, like, just even if it's like a day, right? Like they were here yesterday and then, or they were here yesterday and then they're gone today. Like that, even that time kind of mm. like space is hard mm. to comprehend, yes. you know, how could somebody be here and then not be here, you know? Yeah. And how can like, this is really not as deep as you guys are talking, but like sometimes I watch a movie of myself. In, well, I don't. My daughter watches a movie of me in it, like Flicka, and I'm like, wait, my daughter's watching a movie that I was in, and they weren't even here. <laughs> like they're not conceived, and like they weren't even. Where the fuck were they? Where were they? And now they're watching me ride a horse, and I remember it. I remember riding the horse. Yeah. But now they're watching me ride the horse, and they're like, "Mommy, that's you." I'm like, "What the fuck?" I was like, "You weren't even here." Like you. Didn't what grass or the sun was like sometimes i'm like wait what <laughs> what, what i had the same because thing i wrote this i wrote this little mini book when i was uh -huh. nine uh -huh. and now my kids my younger kids are are eight and seven and so i read them like this little book and it was so crazy because it was like the nine-year-old me talking to like the, the eight-year-old -year my daughter yeah, it was the yeah. craziest thing i was like this is so weird <laughs> Because we don't think before we were really born. I mean, we do. We're like, yeah. oh, I wasn't here then. But like, we don't really think about it. But like, to be here when mm. people you love weren't here, mm. I think is just, excuse my French, fucked up. <laughs> it's all so crazy, isn't it? It is. It's so crazy. Wait, Zibby, you also have to tell us like five years down the road, 10 years down the road, like what is going on with like, all of your stuff. I mean, I know we know you said you create are creating the publishing company, which you're going to be doing. Where do you see like the podcast going? Like, are you seeing like TV shows and movies and like all kinds of stuff like that? I am not sure. I definitely, okay. you know, in the next five years, yes, lots more books from okay. Zippy Books. Hopefully, God willing, I'm like knocking wood here. Mm. Um, yeah, maybe TV. I haven't decided if that's something that I should. It would be fun. It takes so long. I feel like my mm -hmm. husband's a TV and film producer and I don't know mm -hmm. every, at least for like scripted, it takes so long. I'm very impatient. Yeah. You know, I love this. This is like, good, go, you're in, you're out. So mm -hmm. maybe, um, I want to do a lot more writing. I want to write another memoir after this one. Um, I think maybe even about my grandmother is what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'd love to keep writing and, um, I want to figure out a way also to help more younger people mm -hmm. get into writing. So we're doing this essay contest now for college essays on our publication. Moms don't have time to write on medium mm. and yeah, maybe teaching a little more. I don't know. I want to just help, help more younger people get into it and mm -hmm. just have everything keep growing mm -hmm. and talk to more and more authors. I don't know. At some point I'm like, I'm like, am I gonna at one point finish all the authors in my room? Like, what then? Yeah, yeah you you can. I have like 500 books over there that are coming out, so there's there's no end in sight for books. <laughs> Very well, good. 
We are so grateful to have you. I think we've, I feel like we've sat over a glass of wine and that's mm-hmm. the best thing about Me too. Thank this you. show mm-hmm. is, you know, getting to know people. And now I feel like I know you very well. So yeah, thank you yeah. so much. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You totally know me very well. Yeah. <laughs> thank like you so much for coming on. Like speed podcast dating, isn't it? I, I know. Mm-hmm. Well, well, if we're ever in your neck of the woods, stay in touch. A middle of the night, you know, panic, musing, whatever, you can just text me. I'll DM you. <laughs> DM me. Yeah, DM you me. can freak out together. And every <laughs> time you together. see a Mustang, you can yes. think of me, a white yes. Mustang. I'll take a picture <laughs> if I see one. <laughs> Thank you both so much. Thank you, Tammy and Rocky. So Thank fun you. And amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So, and where can people, before we leave, where can everyone find you? I know you've got so much going on, but like all our listeners, where they, where can they see more of you? On Instagram, I'm at Zibby Owens, Z-I-B-B-Y-O-W-E-N-S. Uh, and my website is ZibbyOwens.com. So between those two, you'll find everything. And the po- podcast is Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Oh, yes. And Amazing. sex talk. Sex talk. And, I'm sorry. Oh, yes. Don't you put that under the rug. He's like, don't talk about that one. He's like, ixnay on the sex talk A. Zibby Tracy. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment. We are Women on Top Official on Instagram. And Women on Top Podcast on Facebook. And we have a clubhouse group, Women on Top. And do what she says and rate, subscribe, and comment so we can keep we, 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 we need you to. Yes. Like and Zibby. I will be writing a book. So I actually have an idea for a book, Zibby. Oh. It's called Motherhood. I'm going to put it out there and now manifest it. It's mm-hmm. called Motherhood, Mayhem, and Madness. Um, and it's just because I've been writing essays for the newspaper here in Australia for years. Um, and so every month I write a column. And so I was just thinking, like, maybe I'll just put all my columns into a book, which is really about, like, mental health. It's about motherhood. And it's about just the madness of life. So once that gets published, oh my gosh, then send I can come me. on your show. <laughs> well, send me the book to maybe publish i mean i know you could get a million publishers but that would be i didn't i didn't even see i don't even i've got all my essays ready um yeah i've got it's all it's all ready to go so i just now i don't know the next steps (laughs) that's not my realm (laughs) email you just email me just email me the manuscripts and let's see it'll be fun let's see see we just manifested it it happened look roxy is magic (laughs) amazing so we had a good day we had a good day well then guys you i didn't well, now everyone heard it right here. So <laughs> I love it. I'm, I can't wait to read your essays. I'm excited. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks, guys. We love you. Um, I am Tamin Sursok. And I am Roxy Manning. And we are Women on... Come on, Zibby! Talk! At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.